Well, thank you so much, guys, and thank the choir and our praise team, and thank all of you for being involved in worship this morning. And so thank you so much for coming and to our worship time and being involved. That's what it's all about, involved in worship. We're going to look at Revelation chapter 2, and we'll look at familiar passage, verses 1 through 7. And then, Chris, I may read from, well, I'm going to read from Revelation chapter 1, and we'll look at uh, verses 10 through 13, if you can find that for us. This morning, I'm going to be sharing with you the sermon, Worshiping in the Word at Mountain View, but the sermon title is A Burning Passion for Christ in 2019. A Burning Passion for Christ in 2019. I appreciate the sermon slide kind of gives, in essence, the burning passion, a heart, having a burning passion for Jesus in 2019. I hope you've resolved to do that. If not, I hope you will today. A burning passion for Christ in 2019. And so if you would, let's uh, look at uh, Revelation chapter 2, and I'm going to share with you verses uh, 1 through 7. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne and hast patience, and for my name's sake hath labored and hath not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, in verse 5, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place except thou repent. This morning is kind of a special time. Second Sunday in January is always a very special day for Judy and I and our family. Uh, it's the date that we celebrate our anniversary in becoming the pastor here at Mountain View Baptist Church. January the 8th, 1978, kind of to be more precise. And then five days later, our daughter, Corey, would celebrate her first birthday. And so today, second Sunday in January, we're here 41 years. And then on this day, it works this way at times, Corey is turning 42 today. So we called and wished her a happy birthday. I've had people from time to time to ask me, uh, especially pastors, have you stayed so long at one church? And I have, uh, I just jotted down five statements that I believe that uh, would answer that. First of all, I feel that this is where God wants me. Secondly, I feel that I attempt to try to handle conflict in a positive way and prayerfully a godly way. Third, I feel that I still have a passion and a vision for the church. And fourth, I feel that the church is still willing to follow my leadership. And when I, can't, uh, when I can't answer one of those statements in a positive 
way or with a positive answer. But then my ministry here will be completed. My assignment here will be completed. And I'll evaluate my ministry monthly. I'll evaluate it weekly. And I'll evaluate it daily by using those four simple statements. And that said, I want to say thank you for allowing me to be where God has placed me. And I feel very positive about the statements on this anniversary day as we begin a new physical year together, 2019. I look forward to 2019 of being our best year ever in evangelism, in ministry, in missions, and in stewardship. I'm excited of what, what the days and year has to offer. If you hear of a problem... If you know of a problem, please come to me where it can be handled in a godly way. Remember, we don't talk about each other. What do we do? We talk to each other. And uh, we want in 2019 to focus on very passionately evangelism, discipleship, uh, ministry, missions, stewardship. So please pray for me, pray for our deacons, pray for our deacons and their families, pray for our directors, our teachers, our key leaders, pray for our church family as a whole as we begin this new year together. So with that in mind, we'll look at Revelation 2, 1 through 7. And for a little background to today's message, let's look at Revelation chapter 1, and we'll look at verse 10 through 13. Revelation 1 verse 10. John is speaking. He said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book and send it to the seven churches, which are in Asia, and to Ephesus, and Smyrna, and Pergamos, and Thyatira, and Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of seven candlesticks, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. John had been exiled to the island of Patmos, and he was in the Spirit, the Bible says, on the Lord's Day. Now, in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, not the first day of the Jewish week, which is our Sunday, but the day of the Lord, the coming tribulation of which uh, he was all about, almost about to be a witness thereof, a vision, a revelation of that coming tribulation. Now remember, John was fast-forwarded into the future to see what was going to come about in the future. In verse 11 and 12 of chapter 1, he looks and he sees seven golden candlesticks that represented the seven churches in Asia. And so John is told to write to these seven churches. Now notice, standing in the midst of the seven lampstands in verse 13, you have one like, as likened to the Son of God, or the Son of Man, I should say. One standing there likened to the Son of Man. 
Now, remember that Jesus came into the world as the light of the world in John 1, verse 9, and then he commissioned us to be the light of the world in Matthew 5, 14, simply said, ye are the light of the world. So the point is the churches of the world are to be like lampstands shining forth God's light into a dark world. And so the church is a lampstand. The church is not the light. The church is a lampstand. Christ is the light. And the purpose of the church, the purpose of the lampstand, is to bear light of Christ throughout a dark world. Now today, I want us to examine ourselves against one of these seven churches. That is the church of Ephesus, the church at Ephesus, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. And I want us to examine ourselves, the church at Ephesus. And Christ examined the church and his diagnosis of the church, as he's looking at our church, I feel like would be most positive. He would have some positive comments to make, but I'm afraid there would be some negative things, perhaps at least one negative thing. It was here at the church at Ephesus that Christ said to the church. So first of all, notice, if you will, Ephesus was a dynamic church. This is found in verse 2, chapter 2. I know thy works, thy labor. I know what you're doing. He knows what we're doing. He sees the busyness of the church. He sees all the action going on, just not only on the Lord's day, but throughout the week and throughout the year. He knows how busy we are. He knows how busy you are in serving Him. And so the church was a dynamic church. They were working, they were serving, they were doing, they were full of programs. Every member, no doubt, was doing something for Christ. And I see that here. And so when we focus on grace, oftentimes when we just focus on grace, we disemphasize works. You know, the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. Amen. It's not of yourselves, not of works. It's a gift of God. At least anyone was, uh, of, uh, any one of us would be able to boast. But if we're not careful, we'll focus so much on, on the grace of God in verse, Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, that we'll forget verse 10 where it says we're created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And so I work, I serve, not to be saved, but because I am saved. One of the purposes of the local church is to stir up love and good works. Hebrews 10, verse 24. So it's not wrong to serve the Lord. It's not wrong to work. The point is, we're not saved by works, but we're saved for good works. Listen, because of their good works, everyone in Asia had heard about this church called Ephesus, or the church in Ephesus, because of their works, because of their labor. I'm wondering if that's the message they're getting around our community. If they're hearing about any good works or any service at Mountain View Baptist Church. And so he commends them. They were a dynamic church. And then secondly, they were a dedicated church. There, verse 2, Christ commended them for their labor, which including spreading the gospel. 
So he's kindly commended them. He's, he commends them for their labor and for their works. The works is their activity. Their labor is more than activity. It, labor involves exhaustion. They had worked to the point of exhaustion. They were tired. And so he commends them. So they were a dedicated church. And third, it was a determined church. Look at there at verse 3, chapter 2. And has borne and has patience for my name's sake, and hath labored and has not fainted. They were determined, they worked patiently, while at the same time enduring suffering. I know some people, they, you know, I preached a sermon years and years and years ago, and, and the title of that sermon, I believe, was, was Serving While Injured. And I kind of used a, uh, a football analogy where a person is injured in a football game, and what do they do? They wrap the ankle, they wrap the arm, they send them back in. They want to go back in. That's like this church. They were working, they were serving, they were laboring to the point of exhaustion. They were determined to endure. They had grit when it came to serving the Lord. They had grit. And when, and when something was, you know, they knew something was right, they didn't turn away from that, that was right. They didn't turn aside from what was right. They didn't stop their work. If, as long as it was right, they would do it. So it was a dynamic church, a dedicated church, a determined church, and it was a disciplined church. In verse 2, they wouldn't tolerate evil or unrighteousness in their midst. They exercised this thing called church discipline when it was needed, and they did it. In a, in a Christian and a biblical way. So they were dynamic and dedicated and determined. They were disciplined. And number five, it was a discerning church. Verse two, they, they tested those who claimed to be apostles. And they found them to be liars. So they, they were a discerning church. They had the gift of discernment. You see, discernment is based on doctrine. Pastors and church leaders must be able to separate truth from trend. There's a lot of trends going on today in churches everywhere. But is it doctrinally sound? And they would examine to see if it's of doctrine. There's a difference between trend and doctrine. We're not to sacrifice our doctrine for trend. We're not to sacrifice uh, our doctrine and, and become ecumenical and accept all beliefs everywhere. And we're all one in God and one in Christ. We are if doctrine is sound. Got to be careful. So they were dynamic and dedicated, determined. They were disciplined. They were discerning. Five things commended. But then he said this in verse 4. He said, look at verse 4. He says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Didn't lose your first love, but you left your first love. Everything on the outside really looked good, but they had some heart trouble. Uh, church with heart trouble, individuals with heart trouble. You know why the church had heart trouble? Because individuals had heart trouble. He said, you've left your first love. So the problem, their devotion to Christ had, had grown cold. I hope yours hasn't grown cold. Because when yours grow, grows cold, then it appears the church is cold. 
The church is the individuals. We're part of the body of believers. You see, the, the problem was their devotion to Christ had grown cold. Do you know that more churches in North America are declining than growing? LifeWay Research says that 80% of churches in North America are stagnated or in decline. 80% are stagnated, they have plateaued, or they're doing this number. 80%. Now, why is that? What causes a church to decline? Well, first, there's more than one cause, I believe. There's more than one cause, perhaps, for decline, and each church has its own causes. Some churches just have, ap- they, they have this thing about apathy where they just don't care, and they begin to decline. Some don't have a vision, they begin to decline. No purpose, no vision. And, and there are a number of reasons. However, if I had to list one cause for a decline of a church, I would reach back for the words of Jesus in verse 4 and read, I have something against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Here's the point. You can do the works of ministry without being in love with Jesus. And that won't last but for so long. So the question for us personally and for a church, do you have a burning or do we have a burning passion for Jesus Christ? Do you? Do we? Now listen, I jotted this down just as a spirit that you don't need a pastor. You don't need a pastor who does not have a burning passion for Jesus Christ. I don't need to be a pastor of a church that doesn't have a burning passion for Jesus Christ. Notice, you have left your first love. What does that mean? It's that fervent love that every new believer has when they first come to Christ as Lord and Savior of their life. It's like the love of a couple who's on their honeymoon. There's nothing like it. I mean, it, it's, it's that unashamed love of those who are not afraid to identify with Jesus. Uh, a better translation I found was, You no longer love me as you did at first. You love Jesus today as much as you did at first when you first got saved. When, when Jesus said, I have this against you, friend, listen, when Jesus says, I have this against you, that's time to get right with Jesus. You don't want Jesus, and I don't want Jesus. We as a church don't want Jesus to have anything against us. You say, Brother Sammy, how do I know that I've left my first love? It's when your relationship turns into religion. You just have religion. You've left your first love. Notice verse 5. Verse 5 says, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen. Go back to the time you were saved. Realize how happy you were. Realize how much you were in love with Jesus. 
realize at that time how God's mercy, and even here, God's mercy is again extended to us once again in verse 5 and gives us a formula and how we can return to Him. That's mercy. That's grace. But He says, remember. You know, when you, when you leave something, the first step is to go back uh, where you started. I have a problem with a cell phone. I, I, I never really lo- left my cell phone anywhere or lost my cell phone until it got like six inches by six inches or eight by eight or ever how big they are now. But I have problems with cell phones, so I tried to go back, and usually Judy's meeting me with it. You know, when I leave the house, I'll go back, and she'll bring it out to me. But if you lose something, you go back to where you started. And, and, and just think back of what your relationship with Christ was when you first got saved. I mean, think how happy you were. Think how you walked with the Lord. Think how you prayed every morning, pray, prayed every night. Think how you stayed in the Word. Think how you shared your testimony. Think how you couldn't wait to get to church. Oh, my goodness, I forgot my Bible. You get out, go back in and get your Bible. Wouldn't think about leaving it at the church. And then think about being in Sunday school, think about being serving here, serving there, being on this committee, that committee, going to outreach. How excited you were about church. Christ says to remember. That word remember is an interesting word because in the Greek word, that's in present active imperative, which simply means the point is remember is not a suggestion. He's not saying, hey, remember where you were. He's not suggesting you just go back. What he's doing, this present active suggests you keep on remembering it. Keep on and on and on. The point is Christ commands you must always keep on remembering your starting place in the Christian life. Go back to it. When you refuse to do that, you're going to find yourself drifting away from your first love. You have to go back to it. You know, our theme song that we sang on the parking lot the the Sunday after the tornado is, We Will Remember. And I understand you sung that when we were on vacation. You'll hear it again after a while. But it's good advice. But one line in that song says, I still remember the day I was saved. And I'll never forget, or I'll never be the same. That's part of that song. And that's what Christ was telling the church at Ephesus. I mean, that's what he's telling us. In order to have a burning passion, you must remember. Secondly, notice what he says, you must repent. So what's the next logical step after you remember? When you begin to reflect and remember and say, my life is not what it was. I mean, when I got saved, I mean, my commitment is not like it was when I got saved. My service is not like it was. I remember when I did this, and I remember when I served here. And and now I just go. It's turned into religion. What do you do? After you remember, he says to repent. That's the next logical step. Repent. Change your mind. Reverse course. So repent is a decision first to turn and then to return to what you were doing the first. Look at what he says in verse 5. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works. 
or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of that place unless you repent. So he says, remember, repent, and then he says, repeat. Do the first works. Do what you were doing before. After remembering, after repenting, go back to the place where you were before. What happened then? Go back to reading your Bible. Go back to studying God's Word. Go back and having your devotion time. Go back and being involved in service. Go back and praising God. Go back in worship. Go back, go back, go back. So repeat the former good works all over again, works and labor and patience and discipline and discernment. So here's the point. Return to what you did when you first became a Christian. Notice, and listen real carefully. Listen very carefully. Very carefully. If you don't, he says, I will come again. I will come and remove your lampstand from its place. Meaning, I will quickly remove. Think of this. I will quickly remove the influence and the power of Mountain View Baptist Church. Because they have left their first love. That's powerful. So the point is, there's a price to pay for drifting away, personally and for our faith family. John Phillips said this, he said in his commentary on this verse, he said, a church that is functioning without love for the Lord is worse than useless. Growing up, we had this old stoker heater. Some of you may have had a stoker and we'd have to stoke that fire. Some of you may have had an old fireplace, and you'd have to stoke the fire, and days gone by, people were sitting in front of the fireplace, and it kind of died down, lose its warmth, and the glow would kind of die down, and, and uh, you'd get up, and you'd stoke it. you maybe add some wood to it, some fuel to it, take your old poker and, and uh, just kind of punch it a little and get it going again. That fire in that fireplace would die down. We'd stoke the fire. Last night I was sitting there, I looked up the word stoke. and <laughs> I mean, stoke is a slang word today. I'm stoked, really. Stoked. Well, basically it means the same thing, enthusiastic. Enthusiastic. Be enthusiastic about the Lord. When you love Him with all your heart, you're stoked. You'll be enthusiastic. It'll show so we love him. I mean, we love him enthusiastically. And so today the question is, are you willing to have a burning passion for Jesus Christ in 2019? If you are, it's time to repent. You're stoking the fire. How do you stoke the fire? You stoke it with repentance. You stoke it with repeating. You stoke it first by remembering, right? You stoke it second by repenting by repent, uh, repenting, and then you stoke it by repeating what you did the first. Ephesus, the church, the furnace was there, but the fire had gone out. The coals were warm, but it lost its glow. Time to stoke the fire. Let me ask you this in your own personal life as we close. You need to stoke in this morning. Have you left your first love? 
I never miss, Brother Sammy, and I'm doing this and doing that and doing this and doing that. You know what you're doing? You're spinning your wheels if you're not doing it for the right reason and the right purpose. I'm spinning my wheels if I'm not doing it for the right reason and the right purpose. You need to stoke your fire this morning. God says, I have this against you. He was talking to the church at Ephesus. He's looking down upon this congregation today, and he sees every going from seat to seat, person to person. He knows who at one time was on fire for God, and now is not. And he's saying this, I've got this against you. That's terrible. We don't need to have God against us individually, and we sure don't need to have him as a church. I pray today you be obedient to the Holy Spirit. If you're here and you've never accepted Jesus Christ, for by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works. Least any man should boast. Verse 10, but we're created in Christ Jesus unto good works. You need to come today, be saved by His grace. Accept His grace on your life. Trust Him and only Him to be your substitute for your sin, your propitiation for your sin, your 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 blood sacrifice for your sin. And in doing so, he gives you eternal life. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had to come together today to be reminded how close we need to be to you. I pray for every person here. Thank you for speaking to my heart in preparing this sermon. And Lord, I come to you and I ask you to forgive me when I've left my first love, help me to return every day at some time, sometime during the day with thoughts and remembering how you reached down and snatched me out of a devil's hell and how you forgave me. And God, I gave my life to you. And so help me, I pray, to go back to that time I was an 11-year-old boy there at Rockwood. And I ask you to come into my life and save me, and you did. And, Lord, I have left you from time to time. And thank you, Lord, for reminding me that I need to come back to you. I need to do that on a daily basis, really. So I pray for every person here. Help us to remember. Help us to repent. Help us to repeat as we prepare for 2019. We're in it already. Help us, Lord, I pray, individually and as a church. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.